Hey everyone, it's Kevin O'Connor. AKA Kevin O'Bomber. AKA Kevin O'Concert. Kevin! Wait a minute, you're not Chris Vernon. No, Kevin. Sadly, I'm not as cherubic or as raspy as Verno, but it is I, J. Kyle Mann. And folks, basketball has been and continues to be so very good. That's exactly why Kyle and I are hosting a brand new basketball show on a brand new podcast feed, The Ringer's NBA Draft Show. We're going to have you covered every week as we go in-depth and deep dive in hopes of answering an ever-important question in the NBA. Who's got next? Whether it's an international phenom like Victor Wimbanyama, or the G League Scoot Henderson, or stars from Overtime Elite like Amen Thompson, as well as a full-blown swarm of talented prospects from the promising 2023 NBA draft class. For sure, Kyle. And we're also going to get into players from the college ranks because this is a loaded class for us to discuss prospects rising and falling. And we're going to revisit and redraft recent draft classes and get into how the league's evolution could help inform what's valuable in a prospect of the future. This is a podcast for a fan of every team, whether you're losing and have high draft lottery odds or you're looking for sleepers later in the draft. We're going to be covering everything in the months to come, so please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Ringer NBA Draft Show. And hit us with those five-star ratings. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 20 on plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me, he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin Budo! It's Thanksgiving week. How are you doing, man? It is Thanksgiving week. We are going to get to talk about things that we are thankful for. It's interesting because the last time that we recorded was on Friday, and I told you I was super excited that I was going to get to see Shea Gilgis Alexander and that Oklahoma City team in person, which I did. And now we fast forward to tonight. I'm going to go see the hottest team in the entire NBA, the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. The beam team itself, as they have been absolutely off the chart offensively and have racked up a bunch of wins recently. And so... I'm going to get to see it uh, in person. I guess that's the first thing I could be thankful for. It's not on my list, but I am excited to see them in person because they've truly become one of the really good stories in the NBA. We know that they probably should have a couple more wins than what they even do because of a couple weird calls at the end of games. Uh, That being said, their record's good and their offense is otherworldly recently. And they're putting up like 120 points a game. So I think when you sign up to to see them, you're usually in for a, a good time. Absolutely. I mean, it seems like you'll have a good time. Today. Still no job, no Bane, right? Well, they have upgraded as time of recording. Morant was yesterday listed as doubtful on the injury report. And then this morning, they upgraded him to uh, questionable. 
Okay, so you could get Ja versus Fox in that backcourt, which would be really, really exciting. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be Because awesome. you've got two of the very few fastest guys with the basketball oh, in their yeah. hands in the world. Um, and it's always a good matchup. Always. It's always a lot of fun to watch those two guys. Um, the other thing is, they you better hope Morant plays. Otherwise, it's very, very tough sledding for the Grizzlies. They could get run out of the building. Uh, yeah. Because in the absence of Desmond Bain and John Morant, it has been very, very difficult to score. They have been, over the course of the last five games, I believe the worst uh, fourth quarter team in the entire NBA. And so you're running up against a team that is red hot. But I, I'm excited to see it. I, I, I'm hopeful if Morant plays, maybe you could get a very, very competitive, good high-flying basketball game. If not, uh, for the first time in maybe, I mean, maybe since like the Weber, Peja, whatever years, I would be nervous as a Memphis fan watching Sacramento <laughs> come to town. <laughs> Which is you such a I mean? cool thing. I mean, like we've talked, yeah. I don't have the Kings on my thankful list either because we've talked about them a bunch, right? I don't yeah, want to, yeah, yeah. you know, hit the same points, but they're like at the top of our list of what we're most thankful for. Both of us, our shared lists. Yeah. It's just, it's just been so nice watching them. I mean, they, like story. you said, they, they had the, the two BS calls. They could be 11 and four instead of nine and six right now. So I'm excited to get to see them in person. I've been watching them from afar. There's been a ton of articles written about them. We see all the numbers and uh, I'm happy for them. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I get to see a really good basketball game. I'm hopeful. We won't be talking about it later on the week on this podcast because we're taking Friday shows off with Thursday being Thanksgiving. However, on the Ringers NBA Draft Show podcast feed with me and Jay Kyle, man, we're going to talk about some of the young players from this Kings Grizzlies game on tomorrow's podcast. So be sure to go follow that podcast feed, the Ringers NBA Draft Show. Perfect. Well, we're always timely on the mismatch, and it is Thanksgiving yes, week. Therefore, we figure a lot of our listeners are going to be listening to this on their drive to wherever they are going for Thanksgiving, maybe their flight wherever they're going for Thanksgiving, or maybe they're just laying around lazy doing yard work, and they want something to listen to. So we are going to do the 10 things that we are thankful for currently going on in the NBA. We have each put together a list of five. You want to go first or second? You call it. I want to go first. All right, let me hear it. I'm thankful that Russell Westbrook has accepted a bench roll. There are only uh, two people on the planet who believe Russ could do it, me and Darvin Ham. <laughs> uh, and I was done with him after that game against the Blazers. Uh, what, that last start. Remember the game, Chris, when he took that horrific pull-up jumper with 30 seconds left in the game, 18 seconds left in the shot clock, the whole arena went, no! Ever yep. since that moment, he's taken just one mid-range pull-up jumper with over 10 seconds left in the shot clock. Just one. He's completely changed his shot selection. And on the season, per cleaning the glass, he's taking 4% of his shots from deep mid-range, a career low. 28% of shots from three, a career high. 48% of his shots at the rim, a career high. He's almost completely eliminated the deep mid-range pull-up. He's accepted a lower on-ball usage in the half court. He's playing with greater effort in the de on the defensive end. And of course, he's still not the perfect fit for LeBron. You want to see him cut more often, set more screens, but he's doing everything he needs to do. He's showing that he can evolve, extend his career, and for that, Russell Westbrook has my utmost respect because he's shown that anybody can change just by putting their mind to it. Should we just end the podcast? I mean, I know it's only going to be like a six-minute podcast, but I mean, Kevin O'Connor with his love letter to Russell Westbrook, I mean, after all these years, I feel like we should just, you just mic drop it and let's just end the <laughs> pod, Kevin. I am in stunned disbelief. I never thought I'd see the day. And here we are. Number one on your things that you are thankful for, Russell Westbrook. What a world. What a world. <laughs> Remember the Game of Zones video of us, Chris, where the, where yep. the boulder or the dragons get bleared their fire at us, whatever it is. I don't know. And, and I, mean, I this forget would the be exact scene. This would be like me having Harden number one, but I mean yeah. he's, he's injured. He's not. So I can't no, do he's it. injured. Yeah, can't do it. 
right. Number one on my list is, and this is a little sentimental, because as you know, I have a preteen son that is growing up as a huge NBA fan. And I want to say I'm thankful for Giannis and I'm thankful for Curry. I think these two guys are the most popular amongst kids right now. It's kind of their guys. They're the best guys at the time that they have been growing up. Every kid goes out and tries to act like Curry when they're out on the court. They both have signature shoes that you see a lot when you're at all of those games. You see a lot of jerseys for both of those every time I go to a game. Uh, when you see those players come to opposing arenas, you will see more kids want tickets to those games than any other games on the schedule. I mean, like just counting, and this is just my experience, and it, maybe it's different in other cities, but Giannis and Curry, even in small market NBA, have a profound impact. And I just want to say that despite Laddergate this past weekend, which might be the only, <laughs> it's the only thing that people have ever found to, to be upset, if anybody was upset about the way Giannis reacted, um, maybe in his unblemished career, these guys are both intensely likable. They are great at what they do. They both have amazing stories that are great stories for kids that are growing up. You know, Steph Curry, who, who was a very good basketball player, wants to go to Virginia Tech to live up to his father's legacy because he had this famed career at Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech won't even give him a scholarship. They, they offer him to be a walk-on at Virginia Tech. I mean, it's not like he's trying to go to Kentucky or Kansas or Duke <laughs> or something like that, right? And so then he goes to Davidson and he, you know, and then the, obviously the rest is history after that. Um, but it wasn't easy for him. This wasn't like some five, consensus five-star destined to be one of the greatest players on earth. He had to work for it. And clearly the same goes with Giannis. I mean, for God's sakes, there's a Disney movie about him and the way he grew up and him and the brothers sharing shoes. And then you see the way these guys conduct themselves. You see the way they interact with fans. You see the way they carry themselves um, and even as family guys. And I do think that both of them are so worthy of being looked up to. And I think that there is a tremendous value to that. I love the idea that you've got these two guys that smile, that seem like they're having fun all the time, that carry themselves both on and off the court with real character, um, that I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that because I view it in a much different way than I would have probably any other time in my life as someone, you know, growing up with an adolescent that cares about this stuff. And and also, look, my daughter, she's nine. She 100% knows both of those guys and thinks highly of both of those guys, right? Like these guys, and it does matter. You know, in the end, there's these old, you know, the very famous Nike campaign with Charles Barkley, you know, Basically, parents should raise kids. I am not a role model, whatever else. <laughs> and, and, and that may be true, right? In the end, as a parent, you are responsible for your children, and the way they act and what they believe, et cetera, et cetera, and the way they conduct themselves. But you cannot replace their athletic heroes. You can't. They are going to have those. And those guys being worthy of being looked up to while also simultaneously being so incredible at their sports. Um, I'm very, I'm very thankful for that, and I, I, I certainly would not mind either. Of, any kid that I see in those jerseys, I don't think, I don't think twice about it. They set an example of the value of hard work. It doesn't necessarily guarantee success, but you know, having that discipline and that vision and working towards that can position you to, you know, change your life or do something that you're happy at or or do the best you can at whatever your interest, hobby, you know, passion, whatever it is. I, I, that's what I think of, you know, everything you just said about Steph and Giannis, right? With the example they set for kids, um, you know, like you said, they have amazing stories. 
And I think, you know, if also they have a fun style of play, you know, the way they play is appealing. That draws you in. And then you learn about them and you understand why they are in the position that they are. And that's because of the approach they take to their craft. Yep. All right. Number two on yours. Uh, another hard worker here. I'm thankful Alexei Pokushevsky is a real competitive NBA player. Poku. I mean, this is a list. Ross and then Poku are one and two. This is great. And we saw Poku block your beloved angel from heaven, John Morant. How dare transition. you? How dare you? Poku's been one of the best. He was shot swatting. A, he was swatting a fly and got lucky. <laughs> Poku's been so good blocking shots. Man, he's been swatting a lot of flies, man. You know, he's also in a transition. Helping on the weak side. He had this block a couple weeks ago against Christian Wood in Dallas where he just came, flew over from the weak side, stuffed his shot. Wood got the ball back, and then Poku just went two arms straight in the air and just towered over Christian Wood. Nowhere to score, nowhere to go. OKC got the ball after that, playing good drop coverage and pick and roll. Pretty good on the perimeter as well. Shooting over 40% from three-point range, Chris. It's still making his fun, crazy, you know, zany passes. I'm thankful for Alexei Pokushevsky. Look, I saw him in person, and he had like 10 points fast, and then he got hurt, and he was angry. Like, angry. Yelling as he Editor. was leaving. Yeah, because he... He's um, hardcore. He's, he's so hardcore. And... It had a real effect on them in the game that I watched. I was impressed with Oklahoma City. They played really hard. They made you beat them. They ain't got anybody tall after him. You know, it was a Jaron Jackson Jr. field day in the game that I watched after the kid went out. Mm. Um, but kudos to Sam Presti because though it did not play out the way that we thought it was going to play out, he said, look, the one tall, goofy bastard I have doesn't feel enough pressure. I am going to draft the tallest, goofiest bastard I can. And so he brings in Chet Holmgren, and Poku's got to do a lot of self-reflection. He's mm -hmm. like, hold on now. If we have Chet, unless we're going to be Twin Towers, they just drafted another guy like me. So I better crank it up a notch. And so Poku's decided he's cranking it up a notch. I'm going to be honest with you, Kevin. I turned to my producer during the game, first five minutes of the game, whatever it was. Kid had 10 points quick. And I turned to him, and this is an exact quote. I said, hold on now. Does he not suck? <laughs> and he's like, you know what? Maybe he doesn't suck. And I was like, I thought this was like a, I thought it was like a punchline or something. I thought it was something to be funny about. I was like, he might not suck. What 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 are the what are the ramifications of this? What are, what are we going to get to goof with O'Connor about? This is. I'm like, this guy's got ten points in the first quarter. He's going off. And let me tell you, they got stuff to build around. They get, they get, they got Gilgis Alexander. They'll clearly get Chet back in the fold next year. They just need they need some shooting around Gildas Alexander because Lord oh, yeah. knows he commands all kinds of pro he, he, you know it's like every great guard, but I mean and any any great player for that matter, right? You've got this unbelievable talent. You want guys that can space around the floor and knock down shots because man, he'll get you open threes. They just got to have some guys that can knock it down. I mean, he chucks it out to Giddy, chucks it out to Doherty, chucks it out to maybe one of the rookies, like a Jalen Williams or something and, like and, that. But and Jalen Williams can, can shoot. He just needs to extend his range, right? Like a guy like him, it takes time. They don't really have guys that can knock down threes. Mm -hmm. Or else they would be even more of a problem because they score a lot. And clearly SGA is having this great, great season. It's going to be fascinating to see the way they play once Chet is back because Giddy would be the non-shooter in those lineups, right? Like, let, let's say you surround SGA with all shooters except for Giddy. Like, I wonder how they use Giddy. You know, is he near the basket? Is he, is he screening? Is he like a Jokic, you know, around the elbows or Sabonis facilitating? 
it's just going to be really interesting to see the way they kind of invert their offense when you get Chet, who can do stuff on the perimeter, and Poku if he's out there in a lineup. I, I'm just I'm very intrigued to see what Dag- Dagnall and that coaching staff does once Chet does come back, uh, you know, sometime next year. And the crazy thing is, uh, and I think I spoke about this last year when I had seen Giddy. I feel like every time I see him, he's awesome, but he's worth seeing in person because. As I've mentioned, much bigger than you think once you see him in person. But be, and he, pa- he could pass over guys. The other thing is he's one of those guys that you're shocked he's doing everything that he's doing. He is so good at everything except for shooting yeah. from range. That's it. That's it. That's, that, he that's, is literally, so that's good. literally his only weakness is shooting. This guy, this guy passes, this guy rebounds, this guy can get to the basket, this guy can pass under you, pass over you. He is, he's a solid basketball player. And if he ever gets to where he could be a reliable guy knocking down shots, that you could throw it out to him and he can knock down shots, watch out. Because he is, Mm -hmm. he is so good at everything else. And you're like, how does this guy get to the basket? He's not quick. He does it with these weird, he's got this great footwork, steps. You know that he does it with, and he's he's tight, tight handle as well. Like he he's yeah. got the ball on a string. That type of player uh, w- yeah. with him, it's I mean he's a plus seventy percent free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. If he can just get to thirty three, thirty four percent from yeah. behind the arc, like he doesn't need to be a thirty eight, thirty nine percent three point shooter. If he can just get to that level, kind of like Giannis has, right? Granted, Giannis isn't shooting the ball well this year, but Giannis got to at least like a slightly below average level from behind the arc and from mid-range, right? If he can just get there, it's going to open up everything for him even more than it already is. I was talking to these guys from the Thunder, and I was saying, man, this SGA season's unbelievable. It's like, you guys just need some guys that could knock down shots. It'd be nice if Giddy could knock down some shots. And I had forgotten about this, but the, their response to me was, that's why we hired Chip Ingram. Yep. And I had forgot they had hired the long-term, renowned shooting coach from the San Antonio Spurs. And they said, it will happen. We'll become a good shooting team. And whatever these guys can become, shooting the ball, they will become. Because we've got, you know, we got the best guy. Yep. Got the best guy. It's him, formerly in San Antonio, now OKC, and Fred Vinson in New Orleans. Those are the two best shooting coaches that are assistants in the NBA right now. Yep. Uh, Number two on my list. The offense, I mean, we we spent at the beginning of the season talking about how the abolition of the take foul has been great. Um, And I think that part of, you know, there there, have been people that have written about this and uh, short sample size studies that have already been done about the take foul. And yes, there is some level of impact with that, but... I think maybe it's this ancillary impact, which is the pace of the game. This game is being played at a higher pace than ever before. And not only are teams playing it at a very high pace, they are doing it with the best efficiency in years. So you have this take foul being taken out, and then you have these highest numbers in years. You have 22 teams that average 110 points a game. If you round up the 109.5s, that gets you to 22 teams. It means only eight teams in the league are averaging under 110, Kevin. Mm. <laughs> I mean, so the pace went up in all of the in, in these games, um, by and large. But then you would think that maybe that would lead to Less efficiency, but that has not been so. Um, now, as of last week, you had uh, John Schumann, who had done these, uh, he had done an article last week about efficiency and the historic nature of it. This came out on November 17th, so it's been a minute since it came out, but the numbers are the numbers. Um through middle of last week, so less than a week ago, um, the numbers were teams are averaging 113 points per game, which is up from 110 
last year, which is at time of print, the highest mark in the last 53 seasons. Since the 1969-70 season, wow. the league has shot better from two-point range, from three-point range, and the free throw line Damn. than it did last season. Um, but right now, the jump is more about the pace of the game than efficiency. But these numbers, these points per game, the efficiency and the pace of the game, these offensive ratings, has just been spectacular. It makes for wildly entertaining. When you only have eight teams in the league that are averaging under 110, yeah, you've got the take foul, which leads to more transition basketball, more fast breaks, and I do think has a bigger impact than just the take foul's not there. So, of course, you know, there's more possessions. I, I think it's just, it leads to the way the game is being played, which is this end-to-end free-for-all with this offensive brilliance taking place on regular occasion. And I think that if you you sign up to go to a game, you're very likely to see some kind of spectacular offensive performance from one of the superstars that you signed up to see, assuming they play in the game, which is its own problem, which I mentioned mm, last week. Yeah, yeah. And we have even more, right? By the way, has anybody done the studies on this? Just a quick 20-second timeout. Has anybody done the studies on this? Like, there are less games in a short amount of time. There's less back-to-backs. There's more teams that are on, like, home stands and then go on long road trips. There's more times that you're playing a team a second time in a city as to cut down on the travel. And I don't feel like anybody's any healthier. And there's more guys sitting out games than ever before. Is it healthier now with all of these different measures? And not to mention that these teams employ 700,000 people to try to keep these guys healthy. I don't understand. Like, I mean, I swear to God, every day I wake up and there's another terrible injury. Really. And it's, it stinks. Mm. So in between the sitting out and the injuries, not been pretty. Not thankful for that. No. <laughs> but I am thankful for the way the game's being played. I do think it is a wildly entertaining brand of basketball thus far. Get more out of your holiday week with FanDuel because new customers get $125 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. On FanDuel, you can bet on the NBA on Thanksgiving for money lines, spreads, totals, player props, same game parlays. Guess what? FanDuel is also now live in Maryland. Get in on the action now with great offers, boosts, and more. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So don't miss your chance to get $125 in free bets, win or lose. When you join FanDuel with the promo code MISMATCH, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states, first online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt, restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia, call 1800Gambler or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In Tennessee, call redline 1-800-889-9789. In Kansas, visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. Number three. I'm thankful the Spurs are tastefully tanking. Speaking of sitting out. <laughs> we talk, yeah, we talked about the Rockets and their, uh, their tactics last week and how we'd have a little disagreement there. But Spurs, you know, they're, they're developing the young guys. You know, they're playing the competitive brand of basketball. They won some games early in the year. And then against the Clippers, against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they say, huh, we'll sit one of our best wings. We'll rest him for injury management, Devin Vassell. We'll, we'll rest our wing. And then against the Lakers, who have Anthony Davis pummeling teams inside, they say, huh, we'll rest Jacob Hurdle, our starting center <laughs> for injury management on the back, back to back. I just thought it was well done, San Antonio. Well done. <laughs> yeah. They're going about it a little different way, right? Yeah. You're sitting there going, why is he out? Why is he out? <laughs> they could have done it the other way. They could have had Pirtle out, you know, for, for the Clippers game. And then they could have yeah. had Vassell out for the Lakers game. Or they could have played him anyway. But, they wouldn't have uh, accomplished yeah, their goal. Yeah. 
No. I think, yeah, they're the first one <laughs> to take real measures. Is that yeah, fair? Yeah. Like if, we're, <laughs> if there's a race towards who's got, like they started off, they're playing good basketball for the first 10 games. They're popping the ball around. They got 30 assists. They're knocking down threes. And then it's like, <laughs> all right. Gorgie Zhang, you're in for Pirtle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy because you, you saw all these other guys, right? Like you saw Utah. You've seen this shocking uh, Indiana thing that's going on. Oh, People yeah. already tweeting me, are you raising your blinds yet? Because I said I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the season, I said I wouldn't raise my blinds for a, a Pacers Wizards game. Hell, that'd be a playoff game as we speak right now. <laughs> I guess I'd have to. But, you know, yeah, like San Antonio, they're, they were being rather competitive. And they're still playing all the kids. Like the kids, yeah. like so Sohan is awesome. I, I love watching this too. Jeremy Sohan, one of my favorite rookies to watch right now. Keldon Johnson, you know, he was horrible the other night against the Lakers, but for the most part this season, you know, still making positive development, getting reps with the ball in his hand. And Devin Vassell playing the best basketball he's ever played. So, you know, you're seeing these young kids get better and they're uh, resting them at opportune times. It's cool to see. Hey, I will say I agree with you on this front because as someone who has covered tanking teams, I am much more of a fan of not putting enough out there to win off the jump rather than go to the game, winning through three quarters, bench them all to make sure you don't win, right? I don't like it in the in the course of the games. It irritates me much more than if you just field something that can't win, right? If you field something that can't win, it's not nearly as bad. I liken it to, right, if you were in the, some football game and then a quarterback went out there and, like, threw an interception on purpose. Like, I don't want to see you actively doing this. The real art of tanking is the positioning of the players in the court, the plays you run the lineups you put out there, you know, regardless of who's active and inactive, that that's that's really where like the true artists are. Uh, imagine this. Imagine this. The Spurs were the best at winning for 20 years. Imagine this. They're the best at doing this too. Just a model franchise. <laughs> they know how to do it. They know how to win correctly. They know how to lose correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to be re really interesting, though, to see how hard teams go here because Detroit, if Cade is out, he's going to be out for some, you know, I texted you and Jesse about this last week, right? Like, if he's out for some extended period of time, they're going to be bad, right? If he gets surgery, he's out for the whole year. They're going to be locked into one of those bottom three top lottery odd spots because the three worst teams have 14% chances at the number one pick. So that means there could be two spots available. Odds are Houston's not going to let go of one of those. So, I mean, I wonder who that third team is going to be. San Antonio? Orlando? Will OKC turn it around, you know, and start trying to lose games? Or will SGA miss time at some point? Who knows? Utah is so far off right now. I don't think they're going to have any chance of getting there. You know, the, they'll have to, if they do lose and then it's the playoffs, they'll have like seven percent, nine percent odds, something like that. Mm. But Detroit and Houston look like they're going to separate themselves. San Antonio is, uh, yeah, I think it's San Antonio and Detroit. I don't think Detroit has a choice. Well, Detroit's going to be horrible, and and out. it's and it started off. You know, they lost Isaiah Stewart. Yep. Now they don't. It's not just. Cade. They lost Stewart. They have been playing without Sadiq Bay. Like, this had a chance to, with the way they ended the season and then being able to draft, you know, Ivy, it had a chance to be like a a, a hope inspiring season. And in, instead, instead, it's gone it's the all, other direction you know, yeah. drastically. The, the, the silver lining for Detroit is without Cade, let's say he's out for the rest of the season. You get to see Ivy and Killian Hayes the whole year. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like uh, this is not like you know. Ha -ha yes, funny. it is. I, I know it's not. It's it's Ivy gets to be the guy. 
Yeah. And you and you get to just throw him out there into the fire and say, go to work, improve on your change of pace, improve on your playmaking. And then when Cade comes back next year, hopefully he's in a better position to thrive with him. You get to see if Killian Hayes can, without any fear of like having to pull him, if he can actually figure it out as a scorer. Because he's already got the playmaking. He's already got the defense. Can he figure it out as a scorer? He's been better than he's ever been the last seven games, shooting over 40% from three, shooting better from mid-range, getting better to the rim better. If he can keep that up, then you show Killian Hayes can be a real NBA player. So I think the opportunity and the reps those guys will provide, you already know Cade's good, you know, and you want him to get even better, but you already know he's good. Now it's, it's time to find out what value do Hayes and Ivy have to the future of your franchise around Cade Cunningham while also having probably the top lot, lottery odds. You got to imagine that teams are already on the phone about Bogdanovich. They are. They are. Yeah. Like, that's a big one that can swing it for a good team. Oh, yeah. They can't. Adding Bogdanovich to the mix, he's having a very, very good season. It's just a matter of does Detroit want to move him? Because they're so bad, they don't need to move Bogdanovich to get worse. They do view Bogdanovich as like a nice placeholder, a developmental veteran next to Ivy. But that changes. It does change. You're right. And also, like, if teams, they, they gave up nothing for him pretty much. If a team calls and offers a first-round pick unprotected and maybe, Absolutely. like, a future second or a young player of appeal, like, how do you say no to that? Bogdanovich isn't part of your future. He's just not. And and I think you do right by him, which exactly. is... Exactly. He's, he's only got... Yeah, he's only exactly. got a year or two left. And those are the only teams that are going to want him is a team that's in the playoffs and has a chance to do something special. And he right. can offer something to those teams. We saw him do it for years in Utah, what's he going to do? Toil away in Detroit? It just it doesn't do right by him. I agree with you, Chris. Yeah. Number three on my list. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the TNT crew. You know, as an NBA fan, and I know, look, they say all kinds of goofy stuff, but they clearly matter within the landscape of the NBA. But beyond that, you know, there were these stories that came out about a week ago, like, oh, well, who knows what's going to happen in the next contract? TNT doesn't need the NBA, whatever. I mean, I can't think of anything that would bother me more in terms of sports broadcasting than not having Ernie Johnson, Shaq, Kenny, and Charles together as part of NBA coverage. I agree. Totally agree with you, Chris. It, it, and, and the reason that I wanted to shout them out is because I know that, as I said, they're going to say goofy stuff. There's going to be people that take shots at them, whatever. It is, I think, now become more abundantly clear than ever that it's virtually impossible to pull off what they have, which is to be that wildly entertaining on a regular basis and to keep it all together. You know, there have been all kinds of shows that I have been a huge fan of. Um, but you think about over time and you see the way that ESPN has struggled with putting together like a standard what we are used to in terms of NBA coverage. Like, here's the team. Here's who we're used to. Here, You know, they, they've, they've swapped out here and there over the course of the last, I mean, really every year. Right. It's almost been impossible to pull off. You think about in other sports, there's really not the NFL one per se of what, you know, the Fox one with Kurt Menefee and Terry Bradshaw and Strahan and Jimmy Johnson, those guys like I probably I don't watch as much of the NFL pregames. I love the guys on the NFL network. I love Eisen and Kurt Warner and, and, and Michael Irvin and Mary. But none, Eugene, none that, of it that is crew. inside the NBA no, or TNT. None but of none it. of it's but and I love college game day, too. Yeah. With Reese Davis and all those yep. guys, right? It's but just not inside the NBA. None of it it's is just not. For, for, for live games. It's just not. None of yeah. them, you know, because of the intense humor, you know you are going to laugh about it. You know you're going to roll your eyes about it. And the chemistry between those guys, you know, I guess it's one of those things where because of that story that had come out last week where it was like, oh, well, what if TNT's not a part? I never even considered and I know that the TV contract, you know, we got years before that thing is going to change over anyway. But it made me think about how much I value that and how much I like them 
and how much I go out of my way to watch it, you know, before and after games in a way that is just not true of anything else. And also, I love Kevin Harlan, and I have to mention that. And every time I turn on a game and Kevin Harlan is calling it, I am happy. And I wish he wasn't with Reggie Miller, but I love Kevin. Reggie's gotten better. Reggie has, he gotten, has gotten, gotten better play by play, I think. What color commentary you mean? Oh, sorry. Call, yeah, my he bad. Better. He better. Yeah. But I mean, Harlan is just, he's so good. I very rarely will like turn on any game and be excited that somebody's announcing it. But Harlan's on that list. Iron Eagle. Sure. Yeah, he's a really I love good Ian one Eagle. too. Yeah, really you good. You know, he's doing the NCAA tournament now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. When yeah. Nance steps down, he's doing the NCAA tournament. Oh, that, that's, that'll be cool. I, and I very, like very Eagle deserving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's and he's great with, great with Raftery. Yeah, different sure. different school, uh, sports too. He does a great job yes. across sports. Yeah, Ian Eagle's great. Yeah, just has a genuine, like like with Kevin Harlan, genuine excitement and love for the game. Yes, passion for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, what's your next one? What's your uh, number four? I'm thankful Donovan Mitchell landed in Cleveland instead of New York. Oh wow! Well, it's for two reasons. Brunson looks pretty good in New York. It would have been messed up having him and Mitchell in the backcourt together. But in Cleveland specifically, it's just so fun watching him with those bigs, man. You know, with Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. You look at the numbers this year. I put out a tweet, you know, this morning of the top pick and roll duos, and of the top eight, you know, Mitchell Allen's number one. They're scoring one point three four points per pick and roll together, and number five is Mitchell Mobley. 1.18 points per pick and roll. Those guys have been a dominant force this year. It's just been cool to see them grow together early on. And Donovan Mitchell's playing the best basketball that he ever has right now during the regular season. So it's just nice to see him elevating those guys, those young bigs, and them enhancing him as well with their different styles. Because for years, we see Mitchell with Gobert and how effective that is with Gobert's you know downhill rolling style. It's being replicated with Jaron Allen. But then with Mobley, it's just a new piece, you know, who can pop, who can attack closeouts, who can roll, short roll, handle the ball. Like, it's just been nice to see that dynamic grow uh, with Donovan Mitchell and that Cavaliers team still performing very well. And they're, they're fun, man. I mean, we've they just got to get everybody healthy. Yeah, they just got to get healthy, man. That's it. Like, they, they've had that little skid, you know, they've won three in a row now, um, but they had that little skid, not healthy, but. Oh, and then I, you got I'm, the love I, I thing. I buy them. Yeah, you got oh, that yeah. love thing, and then you got Rubio still hasn't been coming back. And so, yep. man, if they ever get it all together and they've got that Rubio love back, uh, you know, uh, oh, for sure. Rubio and love back as a as a bench unit, you know, with Jetty Osmond and the others, um, man, they're going to be really, really good. Yeah, really, I mean, you, you, really, you mentioned really there, what was uh, that stat you mentioned last week with Kevin Love, you know, leader in plus minus yeah. or whatever? I mean, he works with all their front car combinations. I, I'm buying the Cavs, man. I, I think. I think they're for real once they get it all together. Still missing a wing, though. Still need one more wing. Better than Okoro. Number four, and this is going to be weird timing, and I think you're going to be surprised that I'm saying this name. Okay. Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah, I like it. The reason I'm thankful for Kevin Durant is because many times throughout sports, things can become homogenized or not that interesting. And I don't know... I was thinking about this the other day. This whole plight of Durant is so intensely interesting. So as I told you, once upon a time, I hosted a draft party where an entire city wanted so desperately to get (laughs) either Greg Oden or Kevin Durant that this guy was going to change a franchise. And then he got drafted by Seattle. And then, of course, Seattle loses their team to Oklahoma City. And he does, in fact, help change the entire franchise. And at that time in Oklahoma City, he is completely and totally universally beloved. (laughs) The same way that I talked about Giannis earlier, that was Durant. Durant was on commercials. Durant had the coolest shoes. Durant was the best scorer. Durant was in this small market, but was still winning big. And... Then it all kind of culminates with him winning that MVP, stand up on the stage, and while it's become a meme now, it's like this incredible 
heartfelt moment with the, you are the real MVP to his mother and he's crying. And it's like, who can be more likable, this guy? And then, like, Hulk Hogan, when he joined NWO, he turns total heel (laughs) and leaves and goes to the team that beat him. Signs up with a team that won 73 games. Next thing you know, he's getting like a huge mural of Rick James tattooed on his leg. And you're like, hold on, what is going on? Now, keep in mind, when he was at Oklahoma City, during the lockout, Rudy Gay hosted, I think I've told this story before, Rudy Gay hosted a, like a, it was, Nike was behind it. And they they hosted like a basically a pickup game. LeBron and Durant, everybody came to this small gym in Mississippi. And I went down to it. And LeBron like had like this halo around him. Like nobody's gonna go up and like talk to him. It's just kind of understood. And he kind of put off an aura of, hey, don't, don't bother me, right? I'm not. And meanwhile, Durant is like walking around the arena and like kids are around him, like Muhammad Ali and Zaire. And he's he's walking from place to place, taking pictures with everyone, signing everybody's autograph. And meanwhile, like none of the kids are like running up to LeBron because it's almost like scary to like there's like a security's going to tackle you or something. And I'm like, <laughs> this is like if people could see this and the way this guy is interacting, this guy is like the most likable superstar I'd ever been around in my life. And and then it all like went heel. And then he has the success and he wins two finals MVPs and the whole thing. But then he goes to do his own thing in Brooklyn and it's just been a debacle. Like the whole damn thing has been a debacle and intensely drama filled the entire time. Meanwhile, he is still unbelievable. (laughs) He's unbelievable. He's he's an MVP candidate. And he's great at Twitter. He fires back at everybody. He's just this, what appeared to not be that interesting has weirdly become this wildly fascinating guy to me who has been through this total roller coaster of fame and greatness. And now here we are as he's towards, you know, I don't want to say that twilight because he's still as good as anybody in the league. But it's like, is he going to be on that highest, highest level again? And is it all his doing, you know, tying himself to things that maybe didn't, he certainly did not expect the type of blowback that he would have gotten for the Golden State thing. And then the, the Brooklyn thing has just gone from bad to worse over and over again. And just the fact that we have a character like that in the NBA, I think it could it could end up making for an amazing book, an amazing movie. Like just watching his whole career play out all the while, you know, even with that interview with Chris Haynes, this guy is keeps it real. Say whatever you want about him, he keeps it real. He's authentic as it gets. And so the fact that it's so fascinating and that it's all just so intriguing and watching it all play out. I'm thankful for it because you can say whatever you want. It's friggin' interesting. We're still in the middle of it too, Chris. It's all these choices. It's all these choices, right? Like, you know, people talk about these sliding doors moments. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, going to Golden State instead of staying in OKC or going to Boston. You know, deciding to build it in Brooklyn instead of in New York after his horrific injury. And now, and then he, you know, he slid one door this past offseason demanding a trade. He didn't get to go through it. But we'll see what ends up happening with Brooklyn. He's still in the middle of it right now. Ben Simmons is looking better the last couple yep. of games. He's he's setting more on-ball screens, more dribble handoffs. Kyrie's back on the court. Get Joe Harris back. Seth Curry back. The, team, the Nets are starting to look like, you know, the, the team that you would have hoped for, right? And so how will this develop over the course of the year? And will Kevin Durant want to stick around? Real quick, because people will have listened to this and know the outcome. What if Simmons goes off there? Oh, in Philadelphia tonight? Because they don't yeah. have anybody. Yeah. They have no Harden. They have no Maxi. They have no Embiid. This is not the circumstances in which you wanted Ben Simmons to come oh, yeah. back. You wanted him to get booed and like then be humiliated. 
Yes. And instead tonight, they're, they're facing a depleted Sixers team. And what and if then, he goes off? <laughs> yeah, what if he scores like 30? Oh, that'd be so great. He, I will say this. Most personality he ever showed was that question from that reporter about has there been enough time where it's died yeah. down? I legitimately laughed yeah. at that. Eyes bugged out of his head. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and so that should have been, you know, we, haven't, we haven't gotten to see him in that situation yet. We've only gotten to see him get booed in street clothes. But it'll be, it's going to be fun. And it's going to be interesting. Because he has gotten much, much better as the season has progressed. He's been the best he's been recently. And now it sets up for this relentless booing. What if he started knocking down threes and shit? Oh, it'd be amazing. No, it's not. That's not gonna <laughs> he still he still shoots with the wrong hand. But but the but the screening and rolling, yo, what he did last couple of nights against Portland and Memphis, that's the way he's gonna play, man. Like he he's he's doing what he's gonna do. He's playing in that Bruce Brown role, but with a Ben Simmons skill set at six foot eleven, two hundred forty pounds. It, it's it's nice to see. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. All right, number four. I had a number of things on my list here, just in case we had some Oh, overlap. no, you're five. You're the number oh, yeah, five this, this is five. Yeah, I, I had a number of things for my last one, just in case we didn't have any overlap. Um, just to rattle them off real quick. You thought I was going to have Poku? Maybe. You never know. <laughs> Killian Hayes. You know? <laughs> I'm th- I didn't say I was thankful for him. We were just talking about being <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> oh, maybe next year I hope to be thankful for Killian Hayes. Okay. Told you so. <laughs> uh, I'm thankful for Bull Bull. Uh, just so fun to watch him. Oh. Uh, so exciting. The length. The, the fact that Orlando is putting the ball in his hands. Kudos to them for giving him the freedom to do that. The Pacers. You mentioned them in passing earlier, Chris. That Halliburton, you know, he looks like an all-star. Matherin, sixth man of the year, or I called potential rookie of the year before the season. Miles Turner playing better than he ever has. Had to have this weird stat in my article for The Ringer that it came out today where he's like rolling out of the pick and roll more than he ever has. It's just cool to see him playing that style. Um, and then Toronto's length. I just love seeing them throw out lineups with five, six, six to six, nine, six, ten guys. It's just cool to see, you know, that positionless basketball. And granted, they have guys out right now, not as able to do that, but they, they show their depth. Guys like Banton even being out there with that size, versatility, and length. It feels like futuristic basketball. They just need somebody to run to the rim at the end of a game. Yeah. That Atlanta game winner. What a weird ending, man. That Atlanta game winner. I mean, you can't set something up more perfect in three yeah. and a half seconds. That was incredible. I mean, it's a colossal defensive breakdown by Toronto. But that Atlanta game winner was freaky great. Oh, so cool. <laughs> so good. It, it looked like kind of like a football play, like end of the game, like hook and ladder yes. type of thing, right? <laughs> I know it. It's like a hook and ladder. Yeah, yeah it was so cool. Or, or, some, or it's like one of those that you see in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. They're all the laterals and stuff, yeah. Where he's been practicing it all year. Hey, Toronto just looks so unprepared in that moment. Let me ask you about the, uh, the 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 Pacer thing real quick. Like they've been good. They've been really good. They're like nine yeah. and six now. I think it is ten and six. Winners of five in a row. Ten and six. Winners of five in a row. Would you recalibrate the whole Miles Turner? I know that he was on a podcast. You know pushing for the Lakers to trade for him. But I mean, <laughs> if, you're, if you're Indiana, do you sit back and say, look, it's not like Miles Turner's old. Like he 26. can fit the time. 
Yeah, he can fit the timeline. And he fits the skill set with Mathurin and Halliburton as a big, you know, pick and pop, pick and roll big, you know, defensive, you know, shot blocker. Should we now change our minds from, hey, this is a guy on an expiring contract that we can get real value for to build in the future to, hey, let's just go ahead and talk to this guy about contract extensions. I think the answer is yes, you should recalibrate. However, will Miles Turner want to recalibrate after he's been involved in trade talks every single season of his career, including just a few months ago when the Pacers were flirting with DeAndre Ayton? Mm. If you're Turner, yes, you're playing at this high level right now, but you've been in Indiana now. This is your eighth season, and you've been in trade talks for probably six or seven <laughs> of, of those years. Like, do you, Is this really the organization that you want to be, or do you want to at least enter free agency and decide, hey, I'm going to choose where I want to go for a team that I think is the best fit for me and that is going to pay me a hell of a lot of money rather than signing some deal and sticking around with Indiana. I think that, that's, what, that's what Indiana needs to be very careful of. If they keep him through the deadline, that he could just walk next summer. Because I think at this stage, the Lakers, the Pelicans, among other teams, they should at least be still highly interested in Turner. Like, Turner's an upgrade over Valanchunas in New Orleans. Turner would help the Lakers a lot right now with spacing, rim protection, moving 80 to the... And people talk about, well, Turner doesn't help add wing defense. Yes, he does because Turner would add rim protection. AD would be the player who adds wing defense because he's such a dominant force. He can defend out on the outside if he needs to. So uh, I think the Lakers, they're, they're at a point right now with where they're playing, they should at least be thinking about making a move rather than waiting until the offseason instead of, you know, forgetting about this entire season and building for the future. So for the Pacers, there could be teams out there that make an appealing enough offer that it's worth moving off Miles Turner and just, you know, saying Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, it's your turn at the five. And you do wonder if these are, if it's the best case scenario. We talked about this regarding Utah earlier in the year. Is this to stay or is this really the best case scenario where you have acquired these guys, they're part of winning, they're playing winning basketball, and they are exponentially increasing their value Yeah, by being as good as they've been. And so the value, uh, like that it actually has played out perfectly. You can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as, hey, the guy's so good, Andy's so good with our guys, we should just keep him for the long term. Or you can look at it, go, this is, this is working out famously. Like whatever our possible return was going to be for this guy, now that has increased greatly. And that may be so. Because he does look, I mean, and they're winning. It always helps when you're winning. You know, it makes it look like these guys can be a part of a winning structure that's playing really good basketball. And Pacers really are. They are. And I think they, you know, their schedule's been kind of soft, and I do think they are benefiting from teams. There's always these teams at the beginning of the year that they look across and they think that's the that's the light night, you know? Yeah. It's not going to be on national TV. Don't have to get up as much, and they're just catching people. Because if you're, if you're not signed up to play that night, you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, like, their win streak, they, they've beaten Orlando twice, Houston once. Charlotte yeah. once, and then Toronto without Siakam, Van Vliet, yeah. and others. I mean, like, the win streak isn't... It's impressive, but at the same time, it's not like they beat, you know, the Celtics right. and, and the Suns and all that. Number five. You know I had to include him. John Morant. Yeah. Look, hopefully he's going to come back. My wife will attest that the night that the Grizzlies got second in the lottery with the, the Zion Williamson draft, no less, I walked in and I said, everything just changed. Now, we had had a different feeling about Morant in our house than maybe other places because she had gone to Murray State. My son and I had watched all the Murray State games yep. that we could on ESPN+. And so we were <laughs> in on him. You know, I covered the NBA and an NBA team for almost 20 years by the time the guy came around. And... The opportunity to go to an arena and maybe see what you feel like is the most spectacular thing you've ever seen, <laughs> like literally every night. Every night there is something 
that that guy does where I cannot believe it. I can't believe that he pulled it off. And he literally transformed an entire franchise, an entire franchise to where now there's not a kid in the city that doesn't have a Morant jersey or swear by this guy. And that he is one of those guys that if you if you go to the game, uh, and there's never been anything close to him. You know, there's teams that were beloved, but not not in this spectacular fashion. And he is on this ascent. And you see it now, even when Memphis plays road games, people all throughout crowds in opposing arenas wearing his uniform, right? Um, and the level of rock star-esque fame that the guy has. But then, honestly, like, I can't be more thankful. Like, I, it has been so much better than I ever thought it would be to get to watch him every night. Because I don't think anybody could, you know, you, you have an expectation like, hey, this guy can be a, a superstar player. But the fact that he dunks on everybody, the fact that he could switch hands and dunk, the fact that he might pull off the most crazy dribble move you've seen or the most insane no-look pass that you've seen, like, the whole package. The whole package. And hit clutch, clutch jump shots, right? Yeah, and yeah, I'm just... Turned, like, he's turned I, into a reliable perimeter player. Can't be... Uh, there's nobody... That, he is as entertaining as there is in the entire league. You know, as, as someone who watches games every single night. I watch some kind of games every single night. And, like, there's a night where, like, yeah, I'm going to go see the Kings. I'm hopeful that he's going to play. But, like, every night. It's a different deal. I've been going to that arena every night for the last... 20 years, every home game night for 20 years. And there's nothing like what it's been like over the course of the last like two, two to three since, or I mean, this is year four, but the fact that you might at any given point see something that you've never seen before, very, very uncommon. You just can't get by Poku. No, couldn't do that. <laughs> Poku ate, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting for Poku to fake an injury so he wouldn't get dunked on. Because he knew after that block, yeah, he was oh, he I, look, I, I, I said right after the block, I said, oh, that guy's catching nuts on the head. Just wait. This dude's getting straddled tonight. And then he said, oh, I'm, I'm hurt. I got to leave. I got to leave. I don't want any part of this. He said, I got to get out of here. It is pretty cool, though. I mean, I, I forget. Maybe it was one of the inside the NBA guys uh, said, John Morant's going to be the best player in the world in a couple of years, right? Yeah. You, you get that type of hype now, right now down in, in Memphis, which is really cool. I got to get to a game there this year, Chris. I have got to. to. I got to. I got to. Why don't you wait until everybody's back? I know. Desmond exactly. Bain like, and that John would be Moran a horrible there. time of year to go. I'll, I'll make it happen, though. They never have anybody. They never have the team healthy. It's unbelievable. We talked about doing a live show in LA later in the season. We should do yeah. one in Memphis too. That'd be really cool. Yeah. That whenever that. Yeah. I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna do the LA thing. Yeah. For sure. Rusillo did his Denver show. That looked like a great time, right? With like, Jeff Green. Oh my God! That looked awesome. I saw it. That looks so cool. Hey, if we could do that, you know, in Memphis, that'd be dope. I'd yep. love to do that. We gotta pull that off, Kevin. Uh oh, it goes without saying. For all of you that listen to this show on a regular basis, say thankful nice for things you. to us regularly. Very, very thankful for yeah. you. Thank you. Our seventh season, Chris, doing this. Yeah. I'm thankful for everybody. Thankful for you. you know, yeah. Yeah. And our producer, Jesse Lopez, who puts up with us and has to edit this every single week. Thank you to Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, it's, been, it's been fun. I hope everybody has a wonderful and safe uh, Thanksgiving holiday. And remember the things that matter the most are not what we didn't talk about on the podcast today, whatever that was that you're saying. Think about what matters the most and be thankful. Absolutely. Uh, so much to be thankful for, Chris. You got any fun plans with the family this week? I'm very thankful that I get to be around my yeah. my family, right? My parents. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? It's another yeah. year. It's another year. I'm, I'm thankful to be around my mom here in LA, her first uh, Thanksgiving in LA. It's pretty yeah. cool. It'll be good. It, it, yeah. I'm, I don't, I don't take it for granted. I don't, mm. I don't take it for granted. You know, I've had, I think anybody out there that's had, uh, older parents, right. You're always concerned about health. There've been times where 
I didn't think I was going to have my dad anymore because he was in the hospital. Or years ago, my mom had a heart attack, like out of nowhere. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know what I mean? Like, it's always, you're, you're, I, I have this real awareness, you know, they're in their seventies. Um, and I, I have an awareness, right. That I want to cherish that time. I do, you know, and I'm lucky because I get to be around, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be Thanksgiving. It doesn't have to be Thanksgiving. You're thankful every day, every day. Yeah. But, yeah. but the fact that you get to all be together on Thanksgiving and, and eat some good food together. Absolutely. That's Sit right. at the dinner table together. Nothing better than that with your family and loved ones. Yep. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving. We will talk to you next week.